Well, good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. We welcome you here today on an exciting day of baptism and an exciting day in the beginning of our renewal services. My prayer is that each of us would prepare our hearts for worship this morning. Last Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And today, with the act of baptism, the ordinance of baptism, we celebrate that resurrection not only today, but each time. We remember uh, and, and with or uh, celebrate with a new believer coming to know Christ. We once again celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Baptism is symbolic of that life where we're living for ourselves without Christ. And then we are buried with Christ in his death and risen to walk in newness of life. It doesn't make, mean that everything is going to be perfect and that we're never going to sin again. We're never going to make mistakes. But it does mean that we have been redeemed, that we have been forgiven. And not only is our life filled with hope and purpose, but we have hope uh, and a promise of eternity with Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Today I'm going to ask Macy Green. She has professed faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask her to join me in the water. Just turn around. Macy has come uh, just a few weeks ago here to the church and let it be known that Sometime last year, she had put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that she had always grown up believing and knowing about Christ, but last year made it more personal. And I wanted to come a couple weeks ago and join the church and uh, be baptized. And so we talked about that and prayed about it, and we're going to continue to talk more about that in the weeks and months and years ahead, about what it means to grow in Christ. But she has come today uh, wanting to be baptized and to publicly let it be known to all, friends, family, and the community, that she is a follower of Christ. I'm going to ask you to, to put your hands over your nose. Oh, before, before you do that, sorry. I'm, I'm leading you astray. Um, but uh, Macy Green, whom have you put your faith and trust for salvation? Jesus. Amen. If you'll put your hands in. Macy, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his death and risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. Father, we thank you for this one today, Macy, who has come to put her faith and trust in you. Father, we pray that as she grows, as she learns more about what it means to be a follower of Christ, that we would help her in that journey. And that, Father, we would be also be the examples for her in that journey. Lord, bless her in the days ahead. Uh, she'll have many trials and temptations and things that will try to distract her from her relationship with you. And so, Father, we pray you would hold her close. And, Lord, help her to look to you in each, each and every day. We thank you for this service today. We ask for your blessings on it. In Jesus' name, amen. I tried to get John to act like Nelson Mandela, but he wouldn't get up and dance, so anyway. It's my privilege and joy today to introduce John and Elaine Broom. Uh, I've known them for 20 years now. John was my pastor the whole time I was in South Africa. He's a native of Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe, and Elaine is a native of South Africa. And he studied at uh, Grahamstown at the at Rhodes University and then Elaine was at the Bible, the teacher's college there and then he studied at the Baptist Theological College in Johannesburg after he had been called into the ministry. He's been in the ministry for 50 years. They have four married children and eight grandchildren and uh, this is my South African family. And he's currently the pastor of the United Evangelical Fellowship of, of Fishhook uh, he served many churches in Zimbabwe and in South Africa. The longest was the Meadowridge Baptist Church, which I was a part of uh, for 23 years. John is a very excellent preacher, pastor, and friend. And um, he's written, two years ago, he wrote about 160 poems that preach and teach. And after the service, I have, there'll be some CDs and a brochure if you'd like to. They're $5 uh, for the CDs, and they're also printing the books. I'll be outside here at a table if you'd like to purchase them. But I hope you'll welcome them, and uh, John will be preaching for us today and also tonight, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Welcome, my friend. Thank you very much indeed, Barney, for your warm welcome. Thank you, Pastor Keith and uh, Sawabona. That would be Zulu. 
And uh, Ndebele, where I grew up in Zimbabwe, we would say, oh, Sabona. And Sinatralina, uh, and you would say, ah, Sakona, Sibuzalena. And uh, in uh, Afrikaans, we would say, Khoyomora. We have 11 official languages in South Africa, and so that's quite a challenge. How many of you were here about 19 years ago when I was here with Dr. Carol Page? Uh, several of you were, so it's wonderful to be back, and thank you for the privilege and for the warm welcome. And didn't the choir do a great job on that song? It did indeed, and, but if we were in Africa, of course, we'd have been going down the aisles with a bit of rhythm and a bit of soul in that song and uh, getting the full benefit of it, but uh, what a joy to share with you this morning. Elaine and I are thrilled to be here at Boiling Springs. We have been praying for you, our fellowship in Fishhooks, and greetings to you. And let's bow together in prayer and ask the Lord himself to come and touch our lives in a brand new way this morning. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you in the name of Jesus that through the merits of his shed blood and righteousness, we can come to your throne of grace so freely and so boldly in the realization that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we pray this morning that the Holy Spirit may come now and take the things of Christ and reveal them to us. We pray that you would speak into our lives. We pray that you will accomplish your sovereign purposes in our lives this morning and in these days together our plea is that you would stand among us Lord Jesus in your risen power and that you would breathe your Holy Spirit into every life we thank you for your word we thank you that all of the Bible is all of your word giving us all that we need to be all that you want us to be and so we pray speak now Lord for your servants are listening in Jesus name Amen if you have a Bible, please uh, turn with you or turn in the Pew Bible or on your device, wherever you've got the scriptures. And we're in Exodus chapter 33 and 34 this morning as we look at the vital signs of spiritual health. And then this evening, uh, we'll look at the visible signs of spiritual health as we begin this series in renewal together. And I am praying that you'll be able to be with us for each of these services and that you will be able to be so inspired by God himself that you will bring others along with you so that we'll just get stronger and stronger in the Lord and under his mighty hand through to Wednesday evening. I'm gonna read from the beginning of Exodus 33, if you don't mind. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people that you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on earth to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Now listen to this. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but, have you ever come across a but like this in the Bible? What astounding words from the Lord. But, I will not go with you. Because you're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, 
the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Just so far and may God bless his word to us this evening. My brothers and sisters in Christ, have you discovered that there is a distinct difference between knowing merely the provision of God and actually knowing the presence of God? Have you discovered that there is a distinct difference between knowing even the protection of God and yet not knowing what we used to call 40, 50 years ago when God really moved in grace and power in revival blessing, we used to call it the manifest presence of God. My friends, we're wasting our time with religion this morning and for the next three days, if we do not come to experience and know the manifest presence of God in our lives individually and corporately. This difference between knowing merely the provision of God and the protection of God and yet not the presence of God in a real, tangible, powerful, practical, personal way. This difference drove Moses to the depths of intercessory prayer. The fact that the Israelites could know God's provision for them and God's protection over them and yet not know God's manifest presence with them. In fact, his presence withdrawn from them. He said to Moses, go to the land that I promised on earth to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to your descendants, but I will not go with you. I'll send an angel before you to conquer your enemies, but I myself will not go with you. In a word, because you're not spiritually in the place where you can actually handle my presence with you. 
Why God's manifest presence was the only reality in their existence as a nation, the only worthwhile reality. It was his presence, not simply his provision and his protection, that distinguished Israel from all the other nations around them. And Moses said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us any further. Beloved brothers and sisters, I have flown these 10,000 miles to be with you in these few days to bring to you some tragic news of biblical proportions. It's not the tragic news about Russia or North Korea or Syria or Afghanistan or Iran or ISIS. Listen carefully. It is the tragic, tragic news that so many Christians and Christian churches, particularly in what we call the West or the First World, are willing to go on exactly as things are and yet not know the manifest presence of God. That is the greatest tragedy in the Christian church today. That there are believers in church pews, I have to say particularly in the West and in the first world, who are actually willing to go on business as usual, enjoying the provision of God, plenty. Enjoying the protection of God, wonderful. And yet not knowing the spiritual renewal and spiritual health that only comes when you actually experience the manifest presence of God. Happy to know God from a distance like the Israelites, but not happy to know him face to face like Moses. That is the tragedy of all tragedies. Churches that have an abundance of all manner of things and programs. But God has one name for them. It is the name that was given to Eli's grandson, Ichavath. The glory has departed. Like the church at Ephesus, they look good from the outside and all the activities are going on just fine on the inside. But God says, your name is Ichavath, for the glory has departed. You are no longer experiencing the manifest presence of God as he designed for the body of Christ to experience. My glory no longer dwells among you. Oh, don't get me wrong. Heaven is their destiny, and everywhere there is the evidence of God's bountiful provision in buildings and technology and ministries and money and programs but the world desperately misses the striking reality of the mighty presence of God in the lives of his people and in the lives of churches. And we're not going to make a difference to our community and to our world 
until we get this right and recognize there is no greater priority in all the world in my life as a believer and yours and in the church where I pastor and this church and every other until we are restored to the fullness of kingdom living in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit of God and the world can take note that we have been with Jesus and that we actually are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And some of you may be saying right now, Pastor, I don't want to be an Echavoth, but... How can I tell this morning that God is truly at work in my life? Is that a question someone is asking today? What are the vital signs of God's manifest presence in my life and in the life of his church? Well, from time to time, like every pastor, I visit people in the intensive care units of our hospitals. And often when I glance through the glass door at the patient lying motionless in bed, it appears from my vantage point at that moment in time that the patient is actually dead. To me, there is no visible evidence of life. But those attending the patient don't share my concern. You see, they are monitoring the patient's vital signs as well. The essential organs of the body are functioning normally. I've often been surprised to find that a patient with no visible signs of life can actually still have strong vital signs of life. Now God's presence manifests itself in both vital and visible signs. And this morning, we're going to look at the vital signs and this evening at the visible signs. What are the vital signs of real spiritual health? How can you tell when a Christian or a church is really renewed and living in the fullness of God? What are those stirrings deep down within your spirit that indicate the presence of God who is at work in your life. These vital signs are evident to you long before they become visible to others. So let's get to our passage of Scripture for this morning then. It would be hard to imagine the joy and the relief that Moses experienced when God assured him that his presence would go with him and not leave him. That his presence would indeed be with him. Exodus 33, 14 and 17. From that moment on, Moses began to experience in a brand new way the vital signs of God's presence. And here is the first one. See if it's evident in your life this morning. A deep desire to know God himself more intimately. That's the first vital sign of spiritual health. A deep desire to know God himself more intimately. Exodus 33:13. Moses said to the Lord, teach me your ways so that I may know you and find favor with you continually. And the Lord replied, verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In verse 17, I will do the very thing you asked of me because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And Moses was so thrilled with God's reply and the assurance of his presence that he actually got a little bit carried away. He said then, Lord, Show me your glory. Now Moses is often criticized for asking such a thing of God. But I want to tell you this morning that in his heart there was a deep and sincere longing 
that is in the heart of every genuine believer who is serious about the relationship with God. It's one of the vital signs of spiritual life and renewal. And it is a hunger to see God and to know God himself at a deeper level. Moses wasn't asking for health or wealth or fame or comfort or security or success. Moses was asking that he may know God himself at a more intimate and deeper level than ever before cost what it may. In his heart, although he had been with God on the mountain and encountered him in the tent of meeting, there was this intense desire to experience more of God than he'd ever known before. My brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the first sign, vital sign of spiritual health. A deep desire to know God himself more intimately. Is that true of you this morning? Is that true of me? Are we saying in the words of that little song this morning, Jesus, I'm thirsty. Won't you come and fill me? Earthly things have left me dry. Only you can satisfy. All I want is more of you. Nothing I desire, Lord, but more of you. More of you. My soul thirsts for God. My heart and my flesh cry out for God. Where can I go and meet with God? That's the first sign, vital sign of spiritual health. Paul was nearing the end of his spiritual journey, but he was still saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and be made like him in his death. I haven't attained that yet, but I bring all my energies to bear on this one thing, that I may know him more intimately. Now isn't it amazing that when our spiritual life begins to grow stale and there's a sensed loss of God's glory and his manifest presence, we either look for ground to criticize those who do have a hunger for God or we create substitutes for his presence. Never ceases to amaze me how some Christians can criticize those God is using or the way God is using them or their particular style or characteristics or idiosyncrasies and yet fail to notice the spiritual poverty of their own lives. Or the way in which because Christians are not where they ought to be spiritually, they're busy with their frantic substitutes trying to substitute the manifest presence and power of God in their lives by studying theology or going to church or getting involved in a world of Christian activities and ministries as though that's going to substitute knowing God in all his fullness and waking up every day of your life with this one priority that I may know him more intimately and know his manifest presence in my life. When Moses asked to see God's glory, God's response to Moses was incredibly gracious. He said, in effect, you would not be able to handle what you're asking for, but I will give you as much as you can stand. 
Have you ever been in real renewal? Have you ever been in heaven-sent revival? Have you ever been in a situation where God is actually moving in manifest power and grace? And people are coming under deep conviction of sin. And God is graciously giving repentance to his people for their tardy discipleship, unproductiveness and fruitlessness. And God is moving in such grace and power that you have to say, Lord, please, I can't stand anymore. God graciously places Moses in the cleft of a rock and passes by so that Moses can just have a glimpse of his glory. Because my brothers and sisters, if God truly manifested his presence and his glory here this morning, we would be in the place that Moses was in. But don't you long for that? Don't you long for those days when we used to see people running down the aisle to get right with God? Don't you long for these days when we used to see churches being truly revived and restored into the fullness of kingdom living and people shedding that which was merely peripheral in the Christian life? and concentrating on that which is supreme, that I may know God himself more intimately every day. You see, sadly, you can be a pastor and be an Ichabod. You can be an evangelist and be an Ichabod. You can be a Sunday school teacher, a deacon. You can even be a missionary on a far-flung field and your name is Ichavoth because the glory of God's manifest presence is no longer in your life. You're just going through the motions, putting in time. Tragically, I've seen it happen. The second vital, vital sign of spiritual health is a definite sense of progress in your walk with God. A definite sense of progress in your walk with God. Can you say that of your life this morning? You recall that what's taking place here in Exodus 33 is actually an interruption of God's communion with Moses. Moses' time on the mountain with God had been ended by the willful rebellion of the Israelites who were dancing around their golden calf in the valley below, wholly given over to idolatry, godless revelry, you see, my friend, the moment my desires depart from God's desires, I become an idolater of one kind or another. A sad illustration of the fact that sin always arrests spiritual progress. In fact, whatever hinders or detracts from our communion with God is sin. Whatever stops us encountering God in his glory is sin. Whatever puts God on one side is sin. Whatever shuts God out is sin. Here's a nation, Israel, on the brink of revival. But instead, they're worshiping a golden calf and giving their devotion to a man-made thing and the tragedy of the Christian church, if you don't mind me saying so, primarily in the West, is that God's people are given over to idolatry. Materialistic, 
chasing things and success and safety and security and comfort more than God. And there is obviously no sense of progress in their walk with God. I hope that's not true of you this morning. Is your spiritual growth being impeded this morning because you have allowed sin to worm its way into a controlling position in your life? It may be an attitude like pride or self-will or self-satisfaction, complacency or compromise or anger or lust or jealousy or bitterness or unforgiveness or it may be an action of some sort but only when sin is dealt with can we continue in aggressive cooperation with God and know his manifest presence in our lives. Amen. In Exodus chapter 34, we find God instructing Moses to pick up exactly where he left off when the problem arose of his interrupted communion with God. Hew out two tablets of stone like the first one you smashed and meet me back on the mountain. And God and Moses are working together again in a restored relationship of joy and fulfillment. Moses must have experienced that fact that spiritual growth and progress were taking place once again. I have to ask you this morning, if you're really serious about God and renewal, can you honestly say this morning, you have made spiritual progress since last week. You have made progress in your walk with God this year. You look back this morning and you can testify to the glory of God that you have definitely made progress in your walk with the Lord, growing in the grace and experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ which is the normal Christian life. That's the second vital sign of spiritual health. If God is present in your life in a real way this morning, you'll know that although you're not where you ought to be, you're certainly not where you used to be. You are definitely not on a spiritual treadmill this morning. You are moving on with God and you can sense the growth spiritually in your life. Beloved, I love hearing testimonies of those who've just been born again. Isn't that something? I love hearing testimonies too of those who are growing in the Lord, who can say, when I compare my life with what it was this time last year, praise the Lord, I have been advancing to maturity. I love the Lord more, I experience more of his grace, his power, and his love in my life. A definite sense of progress in your walk with God. I'll hurry on, the third point, a delightful assurance that God is answering prayer. Look at Exodus 33 and 34 when you get home. And what do you find? Moses asks, God answers. Moses intercedes, God answers. Moses pleads, God answers. That's the third vital sign of spiritual health. A delightful assurance that God is answering prayer. I hope that, like me, and I'm no great shakes, but I hope that, like me this morning, you could write several books of the way in which God has answered prayer in your life. It's a vital sign of spiritual health to look back every day, every week, every month, and to be able to tick off the ways in which God has answered prayer. And if the task that lies before you 
of evangelizing Boiling Springs and your county and your world causes you to knock on your knees, then kneel on them. Because nobody is greater in the presence of God than he or she is on their knees before him. Yesterday, between five and six in the morning, Elaine and I were in intercession, and we were joining a million Christians in our country who had gathered in one place to pray for our nation outside the city of Bloemfontein. And our son-in-law texted us from that place of prayer where people all over the Republic of South Africa had answered the call to prayer for our nation because we're fighting giants. We're fighting the giant of corruption and violence. We're fighting the giant of bad governance. We're fighting the giant of unemployment. We're fighting the giant of poverty. We're fighting the giant of HIV and AIDS. And our nation is becoming riddled with corruption, like so much of Africa. And God is calling his people to intercede, saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. God has to deal with his church before he can deal with the world. In times of revival 50, 60 years ago, in the Hebrides, in Kenya, in East Africa, the watchword was bend the church and save the world. Bend the church and save the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. God does not have a plan B. You're it, my friend, and I'm it. And soon we're going to stand before Almighty God and give a personal account of every thought and word of our, and deed of our lives. And how you're going to shape up then? And how you're going to shape up now? If you are not showing the vital sign of a communion with God where you're constantly seeing God answering prayer. Amen. Number four, a discernment about God's plan for your life. You read Exodus 34 and 10 to 14. Just look at it. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm making a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders never before done in any nation of the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Do you think God has changed? Do you think his promises have changed? Do you think his power has changed? Do you think his purpose has changed? The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Our world cannot be redeemed unless the church gets right with God, unless you and I get right with God. And one of the vital signs that we are right with God is that there is a discernment about God's plan for our lives. It's pretty clear, don't you think, as you read on, obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you're going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land. 
But what are God's people doing today in their marriages, in their businesses, in their careers, constantly engaging in unholy alliances with the world and the flesh and the devil? Is it any wonder that there isn't a discernible sense of God's plan for their lives? If you lack that this morning, you're in need of spiritual renewal, my friend. When we're rightly related to God, one of the vital signs of his presence is the awareness of his direction for our lives, and we will not go on without it. Moses must have been quite excited to know what God was planning for him and for the nation of Israel. There would be a platform upon which God would display his glory. That's exactly the task of the church of Jesus Christ in our world. Friends, we're supposed to be the platform upon which God displays his glory to the world. The God who is able, able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine by his mighty power that is at work within us, which enables the glory of God to be manifested in his church. Ephesians. We are here, beloved, to show the principalities and powers of the seen and unseen world what Jesus is really like. Is there a discernment about God's plan for your life? Spiritually healthy Christians, spiritually renewed churches have a clear vision and a bold action plan. Finally, vital sign number five, a dedication to see spiritual desire overcoming sensual demands. With Moses, it showed up in a willingness to fast and pray. Look at Exodus 34 and verse 28. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the commandments, the Ten Commandments. Now, my friends, I'm not suggesting that you and I have to fast and pray for the next 40 days and 40 nights, but it's not a bad idea, of course. But what I am suggesting is that there cannot be genuine spiritual renewal when God's people are so undetermined to walk in the Spirit. We have to be like Moses and to deal with the things that are offensive to God. We have to be like the Apostle Paul and pommel the body into submission. So many of God's people today are wasting endless, endless hours in nothing but self-indulgence. If we're spiritually healthy, we'll make sure that day by day our spiritual desires overcome the sensual demands of our, own, our old nature, whatever those demands may be. It may be a body that says, sleep on without praying. It may be money, it may be sex, it may be the television set or the computer screen. Don't make ungodly alliances of any kind if you want to be spiritually healthy. 1 John 2 and verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things of this world. For if you love this world and the things of this world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's the Bible. That's the Word of God. If I'm in love with this world and the things that this world is offering me every day, the love of God 
is simply not in me. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I should have as little desire for the things of this world as a corpse. For I have died and my life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is my true life, appears, I will appear with him in glory. And that is the testimony of every single healthy Christian. Amen. To me to live is Christ. My career just helps pay the expenses. For me to live is Christ. And in the words of Jim Elliot, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep anyway to gain what he can never, ever lose. Christ. Moses' spiritual desires took precedence over his sensual demands. The biographies of spiritual giants show that they're a breed of people whose spiritual desires overcame their sensual demands. Do yours, do mine. Beloved, these are the vital signs of spiritual renewal that will be evident to you yourself before they are evident to others. Number one, a deep desire to know God himself more intimately. Number two, a definite sense of progress in your spiritual life. Number three, a delightful assurance that God is answering prayer. Number four, a discernment about God's plan for your life. And number five, a dedication to see spiritual desires overcoming sensual demands. These are the vital signs of spiritual health and renewal. The presence of God in the life of the believer. And if some of these are weak or missing in your life this morning, then like Moses, you need to find the mountain upon which you will meet with God again. And we provide that for you right now as we close, asking you that if this morning God has spoken to you and you are making a renewed decision that from this day on you want every single one of these vital signs to be a vital part of your daily walk with God. And if that is your decision, I'm inviting you now, as we sing our closing hymn, I surrender all, to come to the front and give me the privilege of praying for you. Like Jacob, you need to say, Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. Like the Apostle Paul, you need to say, I want to know Christ above everything else in this world. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I want to be like him in his death. I want to be like Jesus, dead to everything except the mission of God for my life. Shall we stand and sing? If God is speaking and you step out of your pew, come to the front and let's see the mighty hand of God unleashed today in spiritual renewal as we repent of our sin. Our son-in-law said yesterday was the greatest experience of his life as he knelt in the dust with a million other Christians in Bloemfontein, South Africa. And they repented before God of the nation's sins and of their own. Are you willing to do that? God bless you as we sing together.
just a moment. I want to mention a few things before we leave. Uh, let me just say that uh, Bonnie will be available in the, I don't know what this is, the hallway uh, to my left, your right, directly after the service with John's uh, CDs, books, things. Some of you may be here this morning and you just know that you cannot come back this evening or during, this, during the week, but maybe you would like to give to John's ministry. Bonnie would be uh, happy to receive that as well. And you can put that in a church envelope and, and that way we can, uh, you can, we can all have records of that. But um, John, I, there was a, a Western North Carolina from up in the mountains here in North Carolina pastor that said one time something I'd never forget after one a strong message, a strong sermon. Somebody, well, somebody in the church said, if that doesn't, uh, if that doesn't set you on fire, your wood's wet. Um, anyway, uh, but, uh, but a strong message today, a strong message and a great beginning to these services of renewal. Uh, if you can come back tonight, would strongly encourage you to do that. It'll be another powerful message tonight at seven o'clock. The bluegrass group will be here. If that's of any, uh, you know, uh, determining factor that may help you some as well. Uh, there'll be special music each night, but tonight the bluegrass uh, guys will be here. I may be sharing again with them, uh, uh, as well. So I look forward to that. But John, we look forward to having you with us all week this week and be in prayer for John, be in prayer for our church. I told John, I said, we haven't done this in some time. So I said, we have no idea what to expect, but when we gather, the presence of the Lord will be here. Amen. Cause it says where two or three are gathered, he is here in our midst. And so today's a special day. I want to uh, invite uh, first Macy Green to come up and join me and Alan as well. Uh, I think Alan has a gift and I do as well. Uh, Macy has begun this journey uh, this last year on what it means to follow Christ and to know Christ. And I want to give you this certificate of baptism, something to remember this day by. And Alan's going to uh, give you as well a teen study Bible. And so, of course, we have youth ministry and other things here and ways to help you grow. So we're excited for you. I'm just going to ask you to be seated. And in just a moment at the end of the service, if your family would be welcome to come up here along with John and Elaine and uh, stand and, and uh, let folks come by and greet you. But if you would have a seat there for just a moment, I'm gonna ask Jeremiah to come. Thank you, Alan. I'm gonna ask Jeremiah to come and join me. Many of you have gotten to know Jeremiah. He was John in, um, Jeremiah was John, in our recent um, Celebrate Life musical drama. Did a great job and uh, the Kerygma class has gotten to know Jeremiah. The choir has gotten to know Jeremiah. Many of you have as well. And Jeremiah comes today from West Lenore yes. Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. um, I immediately, when Jeremiah and I met, uh, uh, well, a few months ago now, yeah. I immediately connected him with Melvin and Joanne Lutz, who I know are here today. And I just said that uh, we have some other folks and many, some, maybe some others as well that have a history in Lenore. So Jeremiah has found a home here and Jeremiah will be here at least in Boiling Springs for the next few years anyway. Uh, and is an RD at Garden Web, is that right? Mm -hmm. And is a current student in the Divinity School. And so Jeremiah comes today seeking membership here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. What is your pleasure? All those in favor, if you'd raise your hand and wave at him. All right. Well, Jeremiah, and any opposed? Jeremiah, we're glad you're here. Welcome to Bowling Springs. And if you will also be down front after the service, uh, let folks come by and, and greet you and speak a word of encouragement. Glad you're here with us. All right. Well, um, I think we have, unfortunately, we have a, a short business conference. And it, I hope it will be very short, but we, uh, the calendar falls that way and we, we have that today. Right after the business conference, if you guys would just hang out down front here and allow folks to, to come and greet you.